The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masichet Sota has been dedicated by our good friends and Talmud, Mr. Haimi and Dina Dana, for the success of their children and especially the Fuashirema Moshe Ben Dina. Today's daf is being studied in honor of the wedding of Elisheva and Robert. Kaduri Elias from Sydney, Australia, dedicated by our good friends David and Ilana Meyer. Hashem Yishmerim Vihayim. Amen. Daf Chaf. Today's daf is being studied. The Ilu Nishmat Marad Zekenati Yafab Bat Sara Umor Zekini Yosef Ben Sara Rabbi Abraham Ben Esther Ruah Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. Today's daf is being studied for Ashlema. Rachel bat Sarah Rachel Sarah bat Rachel Sarah Ruhama bat Rachel Moshe ben Dina Ella refanelahem refanel nefesh refuat aguf refuatam kerabat bo vecheni rasov v'namar Amen. Begin today's daf on Yutet Amud Bet, and we are three, four, five, six lines before they get wide. Just to review where we're holding in this sugya, we learned an opinion above of Rabbi Akiba. Rabbi Akiva's opinion was that if, let's say, the Megillat Sota was erased before its time, which means, let's say, they erased it uh, uh, before the Minha was brought. Normally, you have to erase the Megillat Sota after her Minha is brought. They erased it early. And then she comes along and she says she doesn't want to drink. She claims she doesn't want to drink. So Rabbi Akiva said, sorry, once the Megillat Sota is erased, we force her to drink the Megillat Sota. She's forced. So the Gemara is going to challenge that premise. Do you actually force her? So the Gemara says, Besavar Rabbi Akiva, Mashkin Ota Baal Kurha. Does Rabbi Akiva indeed hold that you give her to drink against her will? We have a Braita. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Kalbus Shel Barzel. They used to put a certain metal apparatus, probably in the shape of like a, a horseshoe, that they used to stick in her mouth in order to keep her mouth wide open. It was like curved and had two points at the end. They would stick it in there and wedge it in her mouth to keep her mouth open. Why would they do this? So the Gebarah says, in order to give her to drink against her will. We'll read that inside. The Gebarah's language is, Kalbus shel barzel, an iron kalbus. In the event that the Megillah was erased, and she said, I don't want to drink. You force it down her against her will. But the Akiva says, No. What's the whole purpose of the waters? You want to, te- you want to check her out to see if she's. Innocent or not, by her not wanting to drink, that's tantamount to an admission 
Why wouldn't she want to drink? Must be because she's uh, she knows that she's going to blow up. So by not drinking, that's as if she's saying, "I did it." And therefore, the Biakiva says in this Baraita, you never have to force it down her. Once she says no, it's finished, game over, divorce, and finished. So therefore, the question is, how did the Biakiva tell me earlier? that you force her to drink against her will. But in this bright that Rabbi Akiva says, that when she says she doesn't want to drink, that's equal, equivalent to an admission that she did it. So how do we square off the, uh, the two statements? Well, the bright that continues before we answer. The Gemara continues. Ela, this is Rabbi Akiva talking. Ad shelo karev Before the comets, which is the minhap, before the comets is brought, she can retract. However, once the comets is brought, so then the Biakiva makes a statement which the Gemara will analyze immediately that it depends. Before the comets, she has rights to retract, but after the comets is brought, too late, she has no retraction. So the Gemara says, Ask a question on the Braita itself. You told me that once the comets is brought, she can't say I'm not drinking. Why not? I thought according to the Akiva, you just told me that once she says she's not drinking, it's over. It's as if she admitted. So what are you telling me in the Braita itself? Once the comets was brought, so now the deen is she has to drink. Why does she have to drink? Once she says she's not drinking, that's already the biggest proof that what? That she did it. So why does the Biakiva say in the Braita itself? It seems he's contradicting himself. In one place you're telling me that once she says I'm not drinking, it's an admission. So then what do I care after the comments? Once the comments is brought, she says I'm not drinking, it should be an admission. Why then does he say, no, once the comments is brought, she cannot, uh, she cannot not drink anymore, she has to drink. So the Gebarah says, no, I'll explain it. Gebarah says, Nakashya. It depends why she doesn't want to drink. Either she's confidently not wanting to drink, or she's not drinking out of fear. The Gemara explains. If the reason why she doesn't want to drink is because she's confident, she's sure of herself, she's not scared, then I don't care when she says she doesn't want to drink. We assume that she's guilty and she never had intention to drink, which means she was, uh, she was pulling us on a string the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to drink, I'm going to drink. Meanwhile, in her mind, she's knowing good and well, she's not going near those waters. She's confident she's not touching the waters. And therefore, when she comes along and tells the, uh, the Kohanim later on, I'm not drinking. By the way, we say, this lady over here is guilty. And therefore, I don't care when she says, whether she says before the comments or after the comments, any time it's coming out of that, she's not scared, she's doing it because she's confident. So therefore, the deen is guilty immediately, and therefore she does not drink. However, the Gemara says, Oh, but if you see that the reason why she doesn't want to drink is really because she's scared. Which means, really, she, let's say in her mind, she believes she's innocent. And she would drink the waters, but she's scared. She doesn't think the waters are going to work. She thinks maybe it's going to backfire, that even though she's innocent, she might still blow up. So she's nervous to drink the waters um, at all, because she doesn't know, she doesn't trust me. Maybe the waters are going to blow her up regardless. So you see, you see her shaking. 
So when you see us shaking, the Gemara says, "Ad shelo kanav komets until the comets was brought, the akati lo emchok megillah, where the megillah was not written, was not erased yet. Ina me emchok megillah deshlokedin abid, or they erased it, let's say, mistakenly early, kohanim by the kohanim that the machki that they erased it, matzi hadraba. She's allowed to retract. Mishikarav akomets." But once the comments was born, the bedin avid koanim the machke lo which means the Gemara is coming out with a conclusion like this. This is the clarity that you need to get in this sugya. It all depends, according to the Biakiva, on on one really factor. What's the reason why she's retracting? That could be one of two ways. She's either retracting because she's confident, she's not scared, or it could be she's nervous. Now let's discuss both scenarios again. Could be the lady over here, she doesn't want to drink, and she never has any intention to drink. So they erase the Megillah, and they're doing the whole process, and she comes along and says very confidently, I'm not drinking. We interpret that, no matter when she says it, you're guilty. You're not drinking, that means you know these waters are going to work, and therefore you don't want to drink, and therefore you never had an intention to drink, you are not, that's why you were cool the whole time, you know you're not drinking these waters. Guilty, goodbye, next case. How, that's when the Akiva says you don't force her. However, which case did the Akiva say you force her? When you see her attitude. How can you see her attitude? She comes into the Beit HaMikdash initially, and uh, she says, uh, I'll drink. But you see, her, you see her nervous. And then when they're about to give her the drink, she says, no, 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 no I don't want to drink. And you see she's shaking. So then for this lady, you could assume that could be she's really innocent. It's just that she's nervous, she doesn't want to drink the waters. To her, we give a dispensation. If she says she doesn't want to drink before the comets was brought, then already you say, okay, you don't have to drink, we'll give her, uh, we'll give her a bite. She does not have to drink the waters. We're not going to force her. However, if she does that, even out of fear, after the comets is brought, too late already. Now already you deep into the process, even if it's out of fear that she retracted, she is still forced to drink. So therefore, above, when we learned that the Biyakiva says you force her, it's in one case. Fear after the comets. But any other case, fear before the comets or confidently at any time, you do not force her to drink. So now the Gebarah says, Kasha Adrabi Akiva Adrabi Akiva. Now we have a contradiction on one statement of Rabbi Akiva against another. What's the question? Hatam Amar Mehika Me'akiva Vehaka Amar Komets Me'akiv. Which is a technical question. Above we said that what is the proper time that uh, the lady cannot retract anymore. So we said at the time of the erasing, the first Braitha said, the Akiva said, once they erase it, there's no more retraction. Now we said in this Braitha that she can retract all the way up until the comets is brought. Make up your mind. Now we're not changing the case. It's talking about a case where she's scared, she's retracting in that case over there. But you gave a different cutoff point. Earlier your cutoff point is once it's erased. Now you give me the cutoff point once the comets was brought. Gemara answers very simply, Okay, it's two, uh, two students that have different opinions in what Rabbi Akiva said. That happens a lot of time in Shas, where a rabbi will make contradictory statements. So the way we answer it is, two students were learning under that rabbi, and each student understood him or heard him in a different way. So then they were both uh, reporting what they heard. One student heard Rabbi Akiva say, the cutoff point is once they erase it, after they erase it, she cannot retract anyone. Another student heard, no, Achikarab Hakomets. 
Ibayadu the Gibra is a question. Amra, let's say she says like this to lady. Enishota, Mahmad Briuta. She's confident. She comes along and tells the Kwanim, I'm not drinking. And we see she's not nervous at all. And would we say normally in the case, that's it, guilty. Goodbye, go home, get a divorce. It's as if she said that she did it. But then she comes along and says, no, 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 I changed my mind, I'm going to drink. Now how do you interpret that over there by changing her mind? Once she says, I'm not drinking, finish, it's as if she's saying I'm guilty. And once she establishes herself she can't retract, finish, once you admit guilt, there's no word recanting your uh, your testimony. Or Dilma, well maybe I can say it like this, Kevan de Amra Shota Ani, since she retracted and said, you know what, I'll drink. Galya Data de Mahmad Biritutahu de Amra. Then maybe we could assume that when she said initially that she doesn't want to drink, it was only out of fear. Because you see she changed her mind. Maybe the later admission that she says she wants to drink will interpret what she said before when she said she doesn't want to drink, that she was only doing it out of fear, because now she's saying she'll drink. If that's the case over there, so then we make a difference. And if she's really saying it out of fear, then we let her drink. We don't, uh, we don't automatically say that she is Again, Get the question again. We have a lady over here that she was confidently, she said, I'm not drinking. Now normally we say, game over, you're not drinking, goodbye. But this case over here, she said, I'm not drinking. And then later on, she changed her mind, you know what, I'll drink. So one of two options. Either you say, too late. Once you said you're not drinking, you admitted that you're Timi'ah. Finish. It's over. You cannot change your, what you said. Or do you say like this? Once she comes along later and says, no, I'll drink. Could be that interprets us to say that earlier when she said she wasn't drinking, she was scared. That's why she didn't want to drink. Now, if that's the reason why she was saying, because she was scared she doesn't want to drink, then what does the law say? We allow her to drink. That as long as it's out of... Uh, fear, so therefore there is no, uh, there's no issue. So that's the Gemara's question. So the Gemara answers over here, no answer. The Gemara says, Tiku. The Gemara says, you have to wait to the Navi to answer this question. So again, let's just review this quickly before we go to the next issue. Comes out according to the Akiva, sometimes you'll force her to drink against her will. Actually, it's one case. The case is where the lady came along and said, I'm not drinking, and she was scared. You can see she's scared, then you force her. Because she's scared, maybe, maybe she's really innocent. She's, drink, she's just nervous to drink because she doesn't know what's going to happen to the waters. Then you force her to drink. However, if she's confident and she says, I'm not drinking, finished, then she's like saying, Timi'ah, there's nothing to force her. What are we going to force her? She's saying she's uh, Timi'ah. Comes the and has a question now. Gibran's question is, Amar Abu Tiku Amar Abu Dishmuel Sarik Shigiten Mar Letochamayim. New point. You have to put bitter, something bitter, into the waters. My Tama, the Amar Kera, Me Hamarim, Shemarim Kevar, that they are bitter already. Which means even before you erase the name of God into the waters, the waters are called the bitter waters. How are they bitter? So the Gemara is learning over that you have to put something bitter into the waters to make them bitter from the inception, from the beginning. Comes the next Mishnah and says, Now we move a little faster. Until the Megillah was erased, She comes along and says, I don't want to drink. So what do you do with the Megillah? 
Well, they didn't erase the Megillah yet. So no problem. She says, I don't want to drink. So they put the Megillah in Geniza, which means in a certain area next to the Hechal, they had a place where they would put old Ketve Kodesh, that there was no use for them anymore. So we put it in that section over there in order that it shouldn't become, you know, humiliated or degraded. So they would put it in Geniza. Now what do you do with the Minha? You can't bring the Minha anymore because she's, she's, uh, she's not going to drink. She doesn't want to go through the process. So what they do is they have to scatter the Minha in a place called the place of the dish, in the place of the ashes. That's actually in the Azara, in the courtyard of the Beit HaMikdash. That's where they would burn Pisule Koche Kodashim. Good. So they have to burn the Minha, not on the Mizbayah again, in the place of the ashes. And you can't use the Megillah of the Sota for another lady. Once it was made with the intention for one lady, you can't use it again for somebody else. Oh, but once the Megillah was already erased, like we just learned, she comes in and admits, she says, I did it. She's not saying she doesn't want to drink, she's just saying, I did it. So it's over. Well, you got to pour the waters out. You can't use the waters anymore. So they're uh, poured out, right? Because now you don't have a safek anymore. You only drink the waters when we don't know if she's innocent or guilty. In this case, we know good and well, she is guilty. They take the minha, right? Her minha, they scatter it over the bitadish in the place of the ashes. Now, next case, let's say the megila was erased. It's in the water. That's the case we just had. She says, I'm not drinking. And the way we learned it above, it's talking about when, let's say, you see that she's nervous, she's scared. So then what do you do in that case? You have to put it down her throat against her will. Now she starts to drink, let's say. She takes a sip, she takes a sip of the water. All of a sudden her face starts to turn green. All of a sudden her eyes start to bulge out. And all of a sudden all her veins start to pop out. You see all the veins coming out of her face and you know, all of her body over there. Right? As she says, the veins actually in her cheeks start to swell. And uh, you see all her uh, like lines coming out of her skin as she's drinking it over there, which means she's going to blow up any second. So what does the Mishnah say you do? Umrim, the Kohanim say, Hotsi'uha, get her out of here. Shelot azara. We don't want it to defile the uh, azara. She's in a place over there. If she dies, she's tame'ah. You can't have her in the Beit HaMikdash in that area. We'll see exactly why not later on. But they say, get her out of here. And they move her to a different location. Oh, this is a concept we learned earlier in the Masechet on Dab Vav. Now the Gemara is going to go into it. If she has a zechut, we'll see exactly what type of zechut later on. She has a merit. Hayta tolala. The zechut would suspend the punishment. Now I say, not that it would get her off innocently, totally. It would just suspend it to a later time. And the Gemara explains. Yes zechut tolashana Sometimes the zechut will suspend the punishment for one year. Yes zechut tola bet shanim. Sometimes two years. Yes zechut tola gimal shanim. And sometimes it even will suspend it for three years. Mikan omer ben azai. It is because of this law ben azai taught. Hayav adam lelamed et bito Torah. That a father has an obligation to teach his daughter Torah. Why? What is one thing after the other? She im tishte teda. 
So she'll come across this Mishnah and she'll learn that sometimes the waters, if she has a zechut, will be suspended. Now, why does she have to learn Torah for this reason? So there's different interpretations said. One interpretation is, is that so she'll know the law and she won't make fun of the waters. Could be she's going to have a friend, this lady. And she knows the friend is guilty. She knows the friend did it and committed the avon. And she's going to see her friend go to the Beit HaMikdash, drink the waters, and nothing happened to her. So this lady, if she didn't learn Torah, she's going to say, ah, the waters, they told me she's going to blow up, they told me there's a whole business here, ah, the whole thing's a fake, it doesn't work. By teaching your daughters Torah, they'll know all the details. Not only the basics, they'll know, oh, there's a Yenad of Zichut, could be this girl had a mitzvah, and therefore it's being suspended. So it's a mitzvah to teach the girls Torah so they'll not come and speak disparagingly against the waters when they see sometimes it doesn't work. Now at least they're educated, they know exactly why that is so. That's been Azai's opinion. You've got to teach your daughters Torah. Comes the Gemara and says, a totally opposite opinion. Rabbi Azar Omer, Anybody that teaches their daughter Torah, let's get the right text over here. Right, we'll go with the text of our Mishnah. Lomda Tiflut. You're teaching her immorality. Now, this is a very difficult statement to understand. It's one thing you want, you want to say, maybe you can't teach your daughter Torah. But how is teaching a, a girl Torah teaching her immorality? So we'll wait for the Gemara to explain exactly what that means. But we continue. Rabbi Yoshua Omer, Rabbi Yoshua says, Rotse isha bekav v'tiflut. A lady would rather less money, kav, kav is a small measure of money, v'tiflut, but she wants her husband's companionship. I mean, she'd rather, like the, the fashion I'm explaining over here, the companionship of the uh, husband to be with him, even though he might not be able to support her so well. Again, she'd rather a kav, a small measure of panasa, but tiflut, but to be with the husband. Mitet kavin, more than nine kavin, nine measures of panasa, ufrishut, but abstention, and her husband not being with her. And the Gemara will explain what this has to do with our Mishnah. Now, he used to say to be Yoshua. There's different people that are considered destructive characters. We're just going to read it now. We're going to wait for the Gemara later on to explain us each one of these characters. The first character is a Hasid Shoteh. He makes himself like he's a Hasid, but he's a fool. Virasha Arum. A wicked man that's cunning. Viisha Pirusha. A lady that is Pirusha. She abstains. She makes herself like she's very modest. Umakot Pirushin. And a fellow that bangs his head in the wall. He makes a thought like he's a sadiq that he doesn't even look where he's walking and he walks into the wall and bangs his head. We'll see exactly. He wants to show that he's anav and sanuwa. We'll see exactly. The Gemara says, come denominated about all these characters. They're midbalei olam. They destroy the world. And now we begin the Gemara's analysis of the Mishnah. Amar Rabbi Yehuda. Amar Shemuel Mishum Rabbi Meir. This is the story. The Gemara is telling us about the Bimi'ir. He says, When I studied Torah next to the Bi'akiva, my rabbi, I used to put kankantum. Kankantum is a certain, uh, like a chemical that they used to put, maybe gall nuts, 
that they used to put into the uh, ink, and this would make the ink unerasable. So you couldn't erase it. So you see, he told Rabbi Akiva, he said, you know what, uh, I put the uh, kantum, um, he says, Rabbi Akiva never said anything to me. He knew I was doing it, it seems, and uh, he was fine with it. However, when I came in front of Rabbi Ishmael, he asked me to be Ishmael, well, what do you do? What's your career? I told him I'm a sofer, I'm a scribe. He told me, my son, be very careful at this profession. Your, sir, your work is the work of God. Be careful, you might miss one letter in the Torah. You know, by mistake, you might miss a letter. Or you're going to add one letter. And you're going to destroy the entire world. For example, the Gemara said, as she gives an example, the Pasuk says, Hashem Elohim Emet. If you're going to make a mistake and miss the letter Aleph, instead of saying the word Emet, you're going to say Met. God forbid, Elohim, and then you're going to say the word Met. So be very careful. You miss one letter, or the letter He from the word Elohim. You're going to write instead Elim, which is obviously not God. You're going to change the, the, the name. Or for that matter, you're going to add a letter. If you write instead of Bereshit Bara Elohim, if you air a Vav, and you're going to write Bereshit Baru Elohim, you're going to make Hatf Shalom, that there's more than one God, plurality, that the gods created. So Rabbi Ishmael warned Rabbi Meir, be careful, you have a very uh, sensitive job, you're doing Melechet Shamayim, be careful not to add a letter, or subtract a letter. Amarti lo. So Rabbi Meir says, you know what I told Rabbi Ishmael? Davar echad yeshli, I want you to know, Rabbi, there's an item that I put in the ink, the kankantum shemo, and it's called kankantum. Does he give you the English on how he explains the word kankantum? Just kankantum. Yeah, it's a type of chemical, again, that they would put into the... Uh, what is it called? Yeah, that would cause it to, to, to not, not become a race. It's one of those English terminology for the kankantum. Amadi. So Rabbi Ishmael says... He says, hold it. Do you put kankantum in the ink? When it comes to the sota, you have to be able to erase the parashah of the sota. It's got to be in a, in a type of ink and a type of writing that is erasable. So he told him, what are you putting kankantum in the ink for? You're not going to be able to erase the parashah of the sota. Good. That's the two stories. So now the Gemara questions. What was this conversation between the Bishmael and what did the Bishmael answer? Which means the conversation is a little strange. Gemara says like this. The Bishmael tells him, listen, oh, you're a sofer, be very careful. You're involved in the Lechet Shamayim. You better be careful not to add a letter, take away a letter. So he says, don't worry, Rabbi, I put kankantum in the ink. What was he answering? He's telling him one thing, and he's telling him about Ken Katum and the ink. So the Gemara doesn't even understand the, the dialogue between uh, Rabbi Ishmael and Rabbi Meir. So the Gemara says, Hachi ka'amarne. Lo meba'ya b'chaserot v'yiterot. Don't worry, Rabbi. About a, missing a letter or adding a letter. Debaki'ana. He says, don't worry. I'm an expert. I know exactly which you know, letters have which words, have which letters, and so on. 
I'm even worried, and I took a precaution, if a fly shall come. Maybe the fly is going to come when the ink is still wet. And it's going to sit on the, on the letter Dalit, on the, on the crown of the Dalit, that protrudes from the letter on the word Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Ehad. It's going to sit on that Dalit and it's going to scratch off the corner of the Dalit. And it's going to make it into a resh. God forbid the pasuk should be read. Hashem has mishlom aher. This davar aher yeshli. Therefore, I took care of that. How shani matil letochad diyob that I put into the diyob vekan kantum shemo, which means like this: by putting kan kantum in the ink, even if the fly erases, there'll still be a little uh, mark on the cloth itself. Because we said once you put kan kantum, you really can't erase it totally. So he says, not only do I take care of haserot and yeterot, not only am I concerned about missing a letter or adding a letter, but I put kankantum in the ink just in case of a fly should erase a little of the dalid, it's not going to be read akhir. You know why? Because the kankantum doesn't allow it to become erased in totality. Therefore, it's going to have a little uh, trace of the original letter. So now we understand the conversation. He was telling me, you better be careful. He said, not, not only am I careful on what you're talking about, I'm even careful about a far-fetched case of a fly you know, uh, uh, scratching off the letter down, and therefore I per- took a precaution by putting kankantum in the ink that that will not happen, because the fly is not going to be able to erase the entire letter, because there's always going to be a trace. So let's just review what we're holding over here. He went to the Bi'akiva, he told him, I uh, put kankantum in the ink, Bi'akiva didn't tell him anything. He went to the Bi'ishma'el, Bi'ishma says, what? You put uh, kankatum in the ink? What are you talking about? How can you do that? Megillat sota. You got to erase it. It's got to be erasable. It's not erasable. So the Gemara says, Eni, we have a contradiction. Third wide line. Behat tanya amar bimeir. Kishayiti lamed Torah etzad Rabbi Ishmael. says, when I went and studied Torah by Rabbi Ishmael, hayiti matil kankantum netokhadiyo. I put kankantum into the ink. Velo amar li davar. And he didn't tell me anything. And right away you have a contradiction. We just said that when the Bimir went to the Bishma'il, the Bishma told him, What are you doing? Now we have a story that says that the Bishma didn't tell him anything. When I came to the Asra Alai, he forbade it. The exact opposite. In the first story, the Biyakiva didn't tell him anything, and in this story of the Biyakiva was Osering it. So comes the Gemara and says, Kashya Shimush Ashimush, Kashya Asra Asra. So the Gemara has a double question. Number one, where did Rabbi Meir learn? Right? It's Mashma that he learned originally by, the first story is told he learned by Rabbi Akiva. According to this over here, it's Mashma he learned by Rabbi Ishmael, which means it's Mashma the order. Initially it says, well, first he learned by Rabbi Akiva, and then he went to Rabbi Ishmael. In the second story it says, first he went to Rabbi Ishmael to study, then he went to Rabbi Akiva. So, Besides the contradiction in the opinions, you have a contradiction in the history over here. Who did Rabbi Meir study first? Did he study by Rabbi Akiva or Rabbi Ishmael? And you have another question, what? In one case, Rabbi Akiva didn't tell him anything. And in the second case, Rabbi Akiva told him, it's asut to put kankantum. So the Gemara says, Bishlama shimush ashimush lakasha. We have no problem with the history, why? 
Ne'ikara ata lekamed Rabbi Akiva. Initially, we could say that Bimi learned by Rabbi Akiva. Kevan de lo matzekam aliben, but he couldn't understand them. It was too difficult to understand them initially. Why? Because Rabbi Akiva was such a genius. He was able to show on any halacha reasons why it should be tamer and reasons why it should be tahor. Reasons why it should be mutar, reasons why it should be... So he got so confused. And every single halakha, he didn't understand the logic because the Akira was able to spin it any which way that was possible. So he says, you know what? I got to get clarity first in the law. I got to get my halakhot clear. What's the deen? Then I can go back to the Akira maybe and go into it in depth. So it says, the gamar gamra, so he went in front of Rabbi Ishmael, the Gamar Gamra, and he he learned he learned all the halachot. As she says, Hamishnayot the Setumot. Right, he learned all the problematic Mishnayot. Kemoshe ketekabadu mirabbo mirabbo mirabbo. And then the Gemara says, Vehadar atalekamed Rabbi Akiva. Then he went back to Rabbi Akiva, Savar Sevara. Then he got the reasons and the logic. Look at that she, the Savar Sevara. Let's see. As she says, "La'amod al-ikar ta'ameh mishnah," which means when he went back to the Biakiva the last time, so he explained to him the reasons of the mishnah. Why is this tameh? Why is this tahor? Zemutar ve'almak kol davan nismach. And what's the source of each law? Val ezemikra ve'zet talmud. By the way, that was considered the talmud that they used to have in the times of the Tanaim. To understand, to compare one thing to another. So therefore, let's review Rabbi Meir's history of learning. He started with Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was too confusing. Tameh, Tahor, Tameh, Mutar, Asu, so on and so forth. So he said, you know what, let me get my, my Mishnayot clear to get all the laws first. What, 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 what was said. He went to the Bishmael for that. After he went, left the Bishmael, he went back to Rabbi Akiva to get more clarity now in the reasons behind the laws. Now, comes the Gemara and says, Ela asra asra kasha. But we have a question on Rabbi Akiva himself. Initially he told them, no problem when he put the kankatum. In the second version it says, Rabbi Akiva told them it's asur. Gemara says kasha. Believe that in the question. Gemara does not offer an answer. Now, it could be there is an answer. It could be maybe uh, Rabbi Akiva changes his uh, opinion from, at, at a later date. But the, the point is the Gemara leaves that in the contradiction. I want to make one point very clear over here. He came along and he said, I put Kankantum in the uh, in the uh, in the deal. So Rabbi Akiva told him at one point, Rabbi Shema told him the same thing at another point, you can't do that. Megillat Sota. What does that teach us? That they used to erase the Megillat Sota from the Sefer Torah itself. Which means they didn't write it on a separate uh, parchment. They must have been erasing it from the Torah itself because he said, I write the Torah and I use Kan Kantum. Oh, how could you do that? Megillat Sota. What's one thing got to do with the other? And it must be that they were erasing it from the Sefer Torah itself. That's a point that has to be made. Comes again what says. Tanya, we have a bright time. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, Omer Hayar Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir used to say, Nakol Matilim Kan Kantum Which means you put Kan Kantum in the ink for everything. Sefer Torah, Tefillin, Mezuzot, Chutz, Meparashat, Sota, Bilvad. When they would write the Sefer Torah, yeah, 
when it came to Parashat Sotah, they would use different ink. No kankatum, in order that it be able to be erased in totality. That's the Bimi'ir's opinion. The Bi'yaakov Omer Mishemo, Chutz Meparashat Sotah Shil Mikdash. He comes up and says, no, no, no. When it says Chutz Meparashat Sotah, it doesn't mean the Parashat Sotah of the Sefer Torah. It means when they used to write the Parashat Sotah on a cloth in the Beit HaMikdash, so that parashat soto on the cloth, on the parchment, that was written without kankantum. So the first opinion is saying when they wrote it in the sefer. The second opinion is saying no, when they wrote it on the parchment in the Beit HaMikdash. Comes the Gebran and says, Mai benayhu. What's the nafkamina between the two opinions? Amar birmiyah, limchok la minatora ika benayu. Right? The machloket is, do you erase the parashat from the sefer Torah or not? According to the first opinion, you erase it from the Torah. That's why that parashah cannot be written with kankatum. According to the second opinion, no, they didn't erase it from the Sefer. They erased it even from a class. I don't care how you write the Sefer. Even with kankatum. The point is when you write the Megillah, make sure there is no kankatum. The Gemara says, Bahani These Tanaim that we just quoted, Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yaakov, right? Rabbi Uda actually quoting Rabbi Meir. So Rabbi Uda and Rabbi Yaakov. Hani Tanaim ki Hani Tanaim are following the following Tanaim. Two Tanaim that have a similar mahlokah. Detanya, in Megillata Kishira Lashkot Ba Sota Aheret. The first opinion says when you write the Megillat Sota, it's only kosher for the lady that you wrote it for. You cannot give it to a, another lady. The Biaha Bar Yoshia Omer Biaha Bar Yoshia says Megillata Kishira Lashkot Ba Sota Aheret. He says, no, you can give it to a different Sota. So now the question is we see over here we have a Mahlokit indeed. On does the Megillah have to be written Lishma or not? Correct? So now we can say like this the opinion that says you have to write the Megillah Lishma, it holds that you have to write it on a separate parchment in order that you could write the Megillah for the sake of that lady. But according to the opinion that you don't need to write it Lishma, he'll hold that you can even write it from the Sefer Torah. Because when you wrote the Sefer Torah, you didn't have any lady in mind. So therefore, the Mahlokit of whether you could use it. From the Sefer or not is really another Mahlokit. Does the Megillat Sota have to be written for the sake of the lady or not? I repeat, if you hold it has to be written for the sake of the lady, then you got to write it on a separate parchment. If you hold it doesn't have to be written for the sake of the lady, then if you wrote it to one, you can use it for another lady. It can even be used for a Sefer Torah itself, because Sefer Torah was not written for a specific lady. So that's the way the Gemara wants to say that this Mahlokit is interdependent on the Mahlokit we just read. Comes the Gemara and says, no. Maybe it's not so. That which Tanakama said, that if you write a Megillat Sota for one lady, you can't use it for another. That's talking about when you wrote it for the sake of Rahel, for example. Now you can't use it for the sake of Le'ah. However, Aval Torah, but maybe he'll agree that you could use a Sefer Torah because Distamaketiva, because the Sefer Torah was written Pav, it was written for nobody. Which means it's worse when you write for Rahel and then change your mind and want to do it for Le'ah. But maybe, and the Sefer Torah was written Stam, but nobody had it, there was nobody in mind. Maybe that's better. So maybe he'll agree that you could use the Sefer Torah. Amar of Nachman bar Yitzchak, I know even another way. Dilma lohi, ad kan lo kamar biyachi bar Yoshiahat. Maybe the biyachi bar Yoshiahat said, if you wrote it for one lady, you could use it for another. 
אלא במגילה דאכתיב לשום עלות בעולם. Maybe he was only lenient when you're writing the Megillat Sota on a separate parchment, because at least you wrote it for the sake of usage of a Sota, which means you wrote it for the sake of the curses that the Sota should have. About Torah, that maybe he holds that you cannot use the Sefer Torah. You know why? Because when you wrote the Sefer Torah, you didn't write it for the Parashat Sota to be used. You just wrote it for, uh, for learning purposes. Maybe you can't erase it, which means do not make these two mahlokot interdependent. I can tell you that what? That even the opinion that says you have to write the Megillah Lishma will tell you you could use the Sefer Torah. Because the Sefer Torah is not a problem. It was written blanket. It was written without a Kabbalah. And I can tell you the other way. That the opinion that says you don't need Lishma will tell you you can't use the Sefer Torah. Because while you don't need Lishma, but you need the Megillah to be written at least for the purpose of a Sota. However, the Megillah of the Sefer Torah was not written for the purpose of the Sota, it was just written for learning purposes. Therefore, you cannot make this Mahloket interdependent. Abzi Gemaran says, V'Rabbi Achi Bar Yoshiyah Letle Katab Legareshet Eshto V'Nemlach Metsao Ben Iro V'Amar Lo Shemi Keshemcha V'Shem Eshti Keshem Eshtecha Pasu Legareshbo? You just told me according to Rav Achi Bar Yoshiyah. You told me that what? Megillat Sota that you wrote for one lady, you could use for another lady. That means you don't need Lishma by Megillat Sota. So the Gibbara says, what are you talking? Rabbi, you don't agree with the law of Girushim? Halakha, a guy wrote a get to his wife. His name, her name, name of the city. He decided he doesn't want to get divorced anymore. Another guy in the city says, oh, perfect. I have the same name as you. My wife has the same name as you. I'm going to say, can I use it? Everybody holds by a gate, you can't use it. So the question then is, why? If you tell me by sota, you don't have to have lishma. So what's the difference between sota and get? Now what's the question based on? The question is based on, because it says in the pasuk, v'chatav la. And the gemaraz doresh, v'chatav la lishma. Well, it says the word la also by sota. So it should be Lishma as well. What's your Hiluk between Sota and Girushin? So the Gemara says, Amri, Hatam Vechatav La Amarachmanah. By Gitin it says La, Ba'inan Ketiva Lishma. The writing has to be Lishma. And since they wrote it for one couple, you can't use it for another. However, Achanameh. Ve'asala. Oh, here it says Ve'asala, which sounds like it also has to be Lishma. So the Gemara says, no. My Asiya Mechika. Which part of the Sota has to be Lishma? The erasing. So therefore, even though it was written for Rahil, now you want to use it for Le'a, so what? Ah, but it says La. Yeah, what needs to be Lishma and the Mechika and the uh, Sota? The erasing. Once I erase it for the sake of the right lady, it's okay, so that's an intrinsic difference between Sota and Girushin. Comes the and continues. You remember we learned in the Mishnah, once they see us starting to blow up, they carry her out of the Beit uh, HaMikdash, they don't have a Tameha. I'll just give you an introduction. The problem the Gemara is going to have with this over here is, she's in an area that Tum'ah is not a problem. She is standing by the gate of Nikanor, which is right by the Azara. Not only is a person who is Tamer allowed to stand in that section? But the Gemara is going to say, even a corpse is allowed to be in that section. Wow. 
So therefore, what are you worried about? That section, incidentally, in Halakha is called Mahane Leviyah. It's called the Leviyah section of the Beit HaMikdash. And we know that Mahane Leviyah, even a corpse is permissible. So what do you say? You've got to rush her out before she dies, so she's going she's to contaminate the Beit HaMikdash. What's the explanation? So the Gemara says, Ena maspeket. Actually, I, I preempted a little. Let's read the Gemara. Ena maspeket lishtot al So what do we say? She doesn't drink, right? And then she starts drinking, and all of a sudden her face starts to explode, things like that. Now, let's review. When does the explosion take place? Only after the minha is brought. Which means she's got to be at the end of the process, because once the minha is brought, if she has an avon, the minha now activates the water, so to speak. The minha is called mazkeret avon. It, uh, it, 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 it reminds the avon. It remembers the avon, so to speak. So what is it saying over here? That she starts to explode, they got to bring her out. So the Gibbala says, Mani, who's the author? The Bishamoni. It's got to be the Bishamoni that says what? That the order of the Sota was, she brings the Minha, then she drinks. Right? Until she brings the Minha, the waters are not going to work. So you see that the beginning part of the Mishnah has got to be following the Shittah of Rabbi Shimon, that when it says that she's going to blow up and all that, they got to get her out of the Beit HaMikdash, must be Sutta where the Minha was already brought. That follows Rabbi Shimon Shittah that says what? That the order of the Sutta was the Minha and then the drinking. Good? Because according to the other Shittah, the rabbis, they said no. You drink first, then you bring the Minha. So therefore, she would not be blowing up immediately as she's drinking. Al Mishnah's Mashra, she puts the water to her mouth and she starts to explode. That must be already that the minha was already brought. Because according to the rabbis, she would drink and then they would bring the minha. So she wouldn't explode immediately when she starts to drink the water. So Al Mishnah is following Shitat Nabi Shimon. Only problem is the end of the Mishnah. Because what does it say at the end of the Mishnah? However, it says, Ema Sefa Yesh La the end of the Mishnah sounds like it's going like the rabbis. Why? We learned earlier in the Masech that the Mishnah doesn't go with suspension. He doesn't go with this business of Zechut Tola. But our Mishnah said, we go with it. So make up your mind. The beginning of the Mishnah is the Mishnah. And the end of the Mishnah is not going like the Mishnah. Usually you don't like to have a Mishnah that's taking one opinion and then contradicting it later on at the end of the Mishnah. So the Gebarah says, no problem, we found the third opinion. Who's the author? Ham Amar of Hazda, Hamani, Rabbi Akivahi. The Amar Makrivet min Hatab, Ba'atak Mashke, Ubizchut Savalak Rabbanan. We found the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. He holds both, both Shitot. He holds like Rabbi Shimon when it comes to bringing the Minhad then drinking. And he holds like the rabbis when it comes to Zechut Tola. So the author of Amishtar, somebody would ask you, is indeed Rabbi Akiva. It cannot be Rabbi Shimon, because Rabbi Shimon would. Be contradicting himself. So therefore, Sabi Akiva comes to Gibran and says, They tell her, get her out of the Beit HaMikdash. Why you got to get her out of the Beit HaMikdash? Because maybe she's going to die. Are you telling me that a bit is forbidden in that section of the Beit HaMikdash? Somebody that was contaminated from a corpse is allowed to be in Mahane Deviyah. Even a corpse himself is allowed to be in that section. 
Vayikah Moshe Tatsmot Yosef Emo. It says that Yosef was, that Moshe Rabbeinu took the bones of Yosef with him when he came out of Egypt. What does he mean with him? Emo b'mechitzato. In his section. Now where did Moshe Rabbeinu live in the Mishkan? In Mahane Leviyah. And the bones of Yosef were with him. So what do you see? In Mahane Leviyah you're allowed to have a corpse. Emo. Oh, so that's the case. Why do you got to rush around in the Beit HaMikdash? Amar Abayyeh Shema Tifros Nida. Uh, we're not worried about corpse, but you're worried that in the interim she's going to get scared and she might become a nida. The Anachah says that while a corpse is permissible, Kizrat Katuf says a corpse is permissible in Mahane but not a nida. And therefore, you got to get her, get her out of here. She might become a nida. Now, why should she become a nida? So the Gemara says, Are you telling me that the fear? Causes her to get nida. She's getting scared. You're going to tell me that that causes the nida to come? Kibra says, yes, indeed. In We learned by Queen Esther that when she got the news about the impending uh, danger that the Jewish people were in, it says, And the Kibra says, Something inside of her. Which means she, her, her, her nida came. Why? She wasn't expected to get nida, it seems. But the fear caused the nida to come. So similarly over here, you worry she's about to drink the waters of the sultah, she, she, she don't know what's going to happen to her. So she might get nervous, and the nida might come. So the Gemara says, what are you talking about? The Gemara says, We have a, another Gemara that says, that fear actually causes the nida to go away. Gebrahim is over there talking about a lady that's in the war. And there's a war taking place, and they're in a bunker, and they're in hiding, and all that. She won't get a nida. Because since she's in a fear, so the nida goes away. So make up your mind. Does fear bring the nida, or does fear stop the nida? So the Gebrahim makes a difference. The Gebrahim says, Bahdat samit means if it's a constant, constant state of fear, the nida will not come. But a sudden shock or a sudden fear will bring it. Instead, she got shocked suddenly. When the Mordecai told her the news all of a sudden from, uh, from nowhere, she got scared. It was a shock. The Nidah will come. The same thing in this case over here. The lady's about to drink. All of a sudden the fear grips her. The Nidah will come. Over there that we say that the Nidah is held back. That's talking about where it is in a constant state of fear. It is worthy, <coughs> before we conclude this daf, just to say one Torah, um, one Hadush, on this last point of the Gemara. There is a famous question that is asked by the Rishonim. We know that Shevet Levi was the smallest of all the tribes. So the question is, why was that so? Why would the tribe of Levi be the smallest? Different opinions have been given. One opinion is given that the Torah gave a blessing. That the more Paro'ah tortured the Jewish people, the more they multiplied. It seems there was a connection. If you got tortured, you were part of the blessing of being multiplied. Since Shevet Levi was not working, that was the tribe that was exempt from the hard labor, so they didn't have the curse of Ka'ashir Ya'anu so they didn't have the blessing either of that's one interpretation another interpretation is brought down because the Levi'im were in charge of carrying the Aron uh, we know that the 
job of carrying the Aron, even though it was a great privilege, it was also very, very risky. Because the Aron is very holy, and the Levim were very zealous, they all wanted to carry the Aron, and as a result, they would maybe push each other a little to try to get in there, and there was a little disrespect that was displayed in front of the Aron, and therefore they would die as a result of it. The Gemara says, Ha'aron et nus'av. The Aron would actually destroy those that carried it. So it was, again, a great privilege, but again, with a great risk. And therefore, the tribe of Levi was minimized just because of the, uh, the risky job that they had. But I saw another interpretation based on uh, an opinion brought down by the Ariza. It says like this, that one of the plagues in Egypt was Makat Dam. And we know that the plagues in Egypt were based on a measure for measure. Midah, Keneged, Midah. What was the Midah, Keneged, Midah on the plague of blood? So the Mephadashim explained as follows, that Paro'ol knew that the Jewish woman, when they become Nidah, they go to the Mikveh. And until they, it seems they had mikveh already, they kept these laws even before the Torah was given. So he said, how do I limit the population? I shut down the mikvaot. Once the lady will become nida, her husband will not be allowed to be with her. And finished. So without making any sinister plot, I'm able to you know, limit the population without killing anybody. I say, it looks good, Paro. Just close the mikvaot and automatically there'll be no more Jews. But... But all oh, one thing he did not know was this Gemara. The Jewish people were in a constant state of fear because they were working in Egypt. So what was happening? The ladies were not getting the Nidah. Because we say when you're in a constant state of fear, therefore they didn't need the Mikveh. Therefore they were giving birth regardless. They didn't need Mikveh. They were able to be with the husbands. But there was one tribe that was not in a state of fear. That's the tribe of Shevet Levi. Since they were in a state of fear, their wives were getting nida regularly. And since the mikvaot were closed, their husbands weren't able to be with them. Hence, the tribe of Levi had the smallest amount of numbers. So you see, using this Gemara over here, we can understand exactly what happened to the tribe of Levi. Baruch Amen Just as a uh, clarity, the Kankantum is copper sulfate. Just for those that want to know exactly what the item is again, can can copper sulfate.